The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. Welcome to OPCC. It's good to see you all today. Um, does everybody have a, a worship folder, a bulletin? Raise your hand if you, don't, if you need one. Everybody got one? Okay. We had a little trouble uh, with, the, with the bulletins this morning. Um, <clears throat> I'll tell you a little bit of a story. And, and uh, so normally those get ran on uh, Friday or Saturday, and normally Abby does them. And so we were, uh, you know, doing our normal week. I was really ahead of the game this week. I was encouraged. And uh, so Abby, we've been a little concerned about Zoe. Her color was a little off. And um, so we took her to the doctor on Thursday, and then on on Friday, we got a call from the doctor. Her labs came back, and her hemoglobin was, was really low. It was like at a six. And so they told us we need to get to the ER. So like Friday, Friday was supposed to be take Jonah shopping. The, the kids were all out of school because he was going to the homecoming dance, his freshman homecoming dance, take jo- Jonah, to sh- not to school, to shopping. Yeah, take him shopping and get him all ready for that uh, because he had absolutely nothing to wear. And, uh, and so Abby was going to handle all of that. And of course, I, I tried to take Fridays off. So I was going to handle all my manly fun stuff, right? And uh, we spent the whole day at the, uh, we were at the ER and they admitted us um, into uh, Children's Mercy downtown. They transferred us from here in Overland Park to downtown. And so um, I'm liable to get a little emotional on you, okay? So bear with me. <sighs> all right. So anyway, they have her in there, and she's been losing some blood, and, and, and just to, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this, and that, that's what this is about. That's why the bulletin was a little late, because I ran into some trouble uh, trying to do it myself. And um, so they're, they're not sure what's wrong with her, so they've run some tests. Uh, they don't know exactly what's going on. We have to do a lot more tests, um, and, and so we're staying in the hospital so that we can expedite all of that rather than coming home and trying to schedule all of it. So first of all, please be in prayer for us. I, I share this story with you, one, because I know a lot of you are going to ask me about this um, bracelet, uh, and I don't want to tell the story over and over again, okay? Uh, so we'll g- give it to you all at once. Two, so you could pray. And three, so I could share an experience with you. Um, so like, man, I love my kids, all of my kids. Just love them to death. And we were able, we, we Caitlin had a volleyball game <laughs> yesterday, Jonah had to, we had to get his suit, get him all decked out, get him over to, to take pictures and get him off, uh, and, and uh, I was alone, and I had to feed him all and everything, and so we prayed. Like we, I said, I need somebody to pray today that the Lord would help us find this stuff quickly, get where we need to go, be with Zoe, and jo- Jonah laid down a prayer there in the car, man, and we literally got it, like we, we got the shopping done in like 30 minutes, and he looked good. If you haven't seen the picture on Facebook, you need to go look. And he looked good. And so we got it all done, and, and so we're excited. But, but uh, I, want, I want to tell you this story, the reason I kind of give you, one, I want to open up and let you see into my life. I think that's really important. Um, when, when I'm going through a tough time, you need to know. Now, the, 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 chat, like the, the temptation is keep this all in. Don't tell anybody. Um, and so that's the temptation. That's the same temptation you face when you get some news about 
um, somebody in your family, you just kind of want to keep it all in, and, and that's not what, like, we're a family, and so we're supposed to share that with one another so we can help each other, so I want to model that for you, and the second thing is I want to, I want to tell you a little bit of a story that happened for me as I was driving down the road. It's, it's, it's no fun. Um, like, you, you got all your kids. I love all of them. They all have, like, a if you have very many kids, you start figuring out they have like special pieces of your heart. They have all of you. All of them have all of you, but, but each one has a special little connection with you. And, and my kids all know that I, lo- I love to spoil Zoe. She's like the baby. And I let all of them know she's the baby. And so we kind of have fun with it. Um, and uh, so, so when, I, when I, I was down at the hospital with her, Abby was doing some stuff with Jonah, he had to have a haircut, and so then we did an exchange as we were transferring downtown, and so I was down there with her for a few hours by myself, and, and then Abby came and relieved me, and I, I uh, went to do some, I don't even remember, but I was driving uh, away, and like, I, <laughs> you know, you, you got your kid in the hospital, and you don't know, like, like, that just stinks, man. Like, you just don't know. Um, you don't know what, like, you don't know. Like, they can't, they don't know. You can tell they don't know. And, and it's just frightening, man. Like, it's this uncertainty. Uh, and so I was talking to the Lord. And uh, I was just telling him, Lord, like, I know you provide for me. And I know that you take care of me and my family. And, and I, 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 I just in this communication this, with the Lord, this this beautiful thing happened with he and I, and um, it was about, like, Lord, I know, like, that you can take care of this, and I, I know, like, that it may not be anything, you know, real serious. It could potentially be an in- infection, or it could be something real serious, and I'm asking that you take care of it. Um, but, Lord, if you don't, and you want me to walk down a road, like, I'm okay with that. I love you, and I, I, like you've given me more than I could ever dream of. And, and there was just this beautiful moment between me and the Lord where, like, um, I don't really know how to put it in words, but to think of maybe the old song I'm reminded of, it is well. Like, it is well with my soul. And, and I'm walking with the Lord, man, man. And so I had this beautiful moment with the Lord, and uh, uh, that's movement. Like, that's movement in the kingdom. And so I've been walking with the Lord for a long time now. You know, I'm, I'm 48, started really, like, walking with him. Like, I knew him since I was nine, but as a young adult, like, really surrendering at 22, and kind of putting away some childish things, as Paul says. I did that at 22, and I've been walking with him. And the Lord has been moving in my life nonstop. Like, he's never stopped moving. And so he's, he's still moving, and he moves in ways like that. And that is, that is a moment for me to be stretched. And I feel like the Lord is teaching me so many things from the Word, so many things about what he desires for the kingdom. And, and, and it's a wonderful thing when you get movement with the Lord like that. When the Lord moves in your life, um, you know what you feel is alive. Like you feel like you're whole 
And, and Jesus said he would make us complete. His joy in us will be complete. And I'm a complete person, and I know the Lord's still taking me on this journey. And by complete, I don't mean that I'm perfect. I just mean like I'm, like even with all the stuff that, that's messed up and that I got to navigate through about me, the Lord, man, he's, he's got me on this journey, and he's teaching me about himself. And man, we sang that song. Well, I love that song. That when Corey taught us that song, I wasn't sure. My heart is an open space. I wasn't real sure about it. But I, when I was in Kentucky staying at that place with, with the, the uh, I was staying with a house full of felons. And I woke up in the middle of the night one night and that, I was singing that song in a dream. My heart is an open space for you to come and have your way. I'm open. Like, I'm open. Like, that's where movement is. You've you got to be open. If you're not open with the Lord, there's not going to be any movement in your life. And so as we get into the talk today and as we continue to go through this, man, I'm going to teach you the Word. I'm going to teach you the Word as I see it written and as I interpret it and as the Holy Spirit empowers me to preach with power and demonstration. And so I want you to know that, that, that man, I'm here to help you. And when I, when, I, when I start writing the sermon, like, man, it has been bathed in prayer. Like, it is not something to where, oh, man, I'm just going to be trying to be creative. I, I, like, I'm not going to church because that's what you're supposed to do. And I'm not interested in being in a, in a church where, like, there's no movement. There's no movement of the Lord. And so I want you to know that as I teach the Word, as I work with you in, in, in smaller groups and discipleship and other discipleship leaders are doing that, I mean, it's all about movement. It's all about movement. And, and the, the question is, is your heart an open space where he can come and have his way? Are you open? Jesus said, and um, you know, when I think about all this, like, when this starts to happen, when you have movement like this, um, it feels like something out of this world. And the reason is because it's something out of this world. Like, it is something, you're not going to get it anywhere else. Like, you're not going to get the feeling that is created of completeness and wholeness, what the Lord is trying to do in our lives, how he's trying to make us into the same thing as himself. Like, that's what, that's what our faith is about, is Jesus is making us like himself, more of him and less of us. And so you're not going to get that um, without being open. And Jesus said it this way in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, as we get ready to go into the... the uh, uh, a book of Samuel. He says, the time has come. The kingdom of God is, is, has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. Now, in our church, what we're trying to teach people is that, that what Jesus is talking about here is he says, the time has come. It is the word kairos. And you will hear me talk about it in sermons. And it's not the word chronos. What the word chronos means, there's, it's a new time. Like, um, it's 1039, that's the chronos. You hope I'm done by 11 something, right? Chronos. Kairos is a new in kind. And so Jesus said, the time, the kairos has come, repent and believe. And so we often will draw a circle and we'll say, 
Here's the repent side of the circle. Here's the believe side of the circle. And most people know how to live on the repent side of the circle. And so over and over, they're repenting of things, but they're never moving to the belief side of the circle. And the belief side of the circle is where all the movement is. The believe is when we move, so we repent, man. Repent, I'm walking this way, and I repent and believe, and I start walking this way. And so things start shifting in my life. And, and, and a Kairos moment is when the kingdom of God is trying to break out in you. And so like when I talked about that moment that I had with the Lord and I'm going through this uncertainty uh, about Zoe and, then, and I'm, I'm like just, I'm just talking to him as a parent, the kingdom was breaking out in me as the Lord was teaching me about himself and about me and about contentment, and about love and about all of these things. And I'm just walking in faith and trusting him for what he's, um, where, where, where I'm at in my life. And it was a Kairos moment for me. It was a big moment for me in my life. And, and so what's fascinating to me is that we see this throughout scripture, right? Like you'll see this happening with people and you'll see it trying to happen and not happening. And um, today as we, as we see the kingdom of uh, 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 trying to break out in Saul's life, it's fascinating that there's a parallel. Like it's the literal kingdom of, of God through the nation of Israel trying to break out physically in Saul's life. And so there's the literal kingdom, but there's also a spiritual component to it as in order for that physical kingdom to show up because he was the first king of Israel, then he had to walk in obedience in order for it to come through his life. If he walks in disobedience, then that kingdom is not going to show up as it is supposed to. It'll look like a kingdom. There will be things that happen in it, but as it is described as the kingdom of God and how it is supposed supposed to be the will of God. If it is in disobedience, it cannot happen, but in obedience, it can. And so we see the kingdom literally of Israel trying to break out under Saul's leadership. And um, so we see this disobedience cost him the kingdom. Like he, he's still living. He still lives for a long time. He makes a lot of decisions. He goes into a lot of battles. But ultimately, we see today that when we talk about the fall of Saul, his disobedience cost him his kingdom, the very thing he was trying to establish. And I would, um, I, would, uh, I would say to you, I think that's happening to people a lot. The very kingdoms we're trying to establish, we end up losing by the way in which we're trying to establish them. And so let's jump into um, 1 Samuel chapter 13. We're going to look at the first 15 verses. I'm going to read it, then I'm going to unpack it. I'm going to give you some takeaways. And again, hopefully they help you. Hopefully you can go, man, here's some, here's some stuff I really need to look at. What's going on in my life? Take some inventory. And I hope that's why you come here today. I hope you didn't come for any other reason but to hear a word from the Lord because that's what I've come to give you. And that's what I believe is my um, calling as a minister of the gospel is to give you a word from the Lord, not so that you feel good about yourself. I'm not here to give you a pep talk. I'm here to give you a word from the Lord. Um, you know, pep talks, you could go to a conference for that, okay? I'm not here to help you build your business. I'm, help you to, I'm here to help you build your life. Amen? And if you build your life right, you'll have a great business. Verse 1, Saul was 30 years old when he became king. And he reigned over Israel 42 years. And so Saul chose 3,000 men from Israel. 2,000 were with him at Michmash and, um, and in the hill country of Bethel. And 1,000 were with Jonathan, 
at Gibeah and Benjamin. And the rest of the men he sent back to their homes. Now, Jonathan, this is the first time we see Jonathan in the Bible, just so you know, for those of you who are just learning about the, the word, Jonathan is Saul's son, and we will see that later. And so Jonathan is the son of, of Saul. He becomes the best friend of David, and, and really cool stories happen after, later on in, in this book. Jonathan attacked the Philistine outpost at Geba, and the Philistines heard about it. And then Saul and the trumpet, or then Saul had the trumpet blown throughout the land and said, um, let, let the Hebrews hear. So all Israel heard the news. Saul has attacked the Philistines. No, Jonathan had attacked the Philistines, but word got out that Saul's the one that did it. Uh, there's a problem there, but we won't get into that today. Saul has attacked the Philistine outpost, and now Israel has become a stench to the Philistines. Israel has become a stench to the Philistines. And the people were summoned to join Saul at Gilgal. And the Philistines um, assembled to fight Israel. So the Philistines heard that he had attacked this outpost. There's an outpost that is established in their region. If you remember when Samuel told him that he was going to be the king, one of the things he was going to do was pass by a Philistine outpost and he was going to start prophesying. Here it is. And it's getting attacked by his son. Okay, and so they had established it as an outpost for their rule in this area. And so when they heard that it had been attacked, they assembled to fight the Israelites with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, one driver, one fighter, and, a, and soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They went up and they camped at Michmash, um, east of Beth Haven, and when the men of Israel saw that their situation was critical. You ever seen that? Come on, man. You ever saw that your situation was critical? Here, the men of Israel saw that their situation was critical and that their army was hard-pressed. They hid in caves and thickets among the rocks and in pits and cisterns, and some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. What does that mean? They ran out of the promised land. They ran. Some hid, some hid in caves, some hid in wells, some hid in thickets, some ran completely away from the land that had been promised to them. And Saul, to his credit, he remained at Gilgal, and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. I'm reminded of the Lord, uh, the word telling us that the Lord does not give us a spirit of fear. Like, and so, but these guys, man, they let fear take over and they were quaking. And so what do I mean by that? I mean that, well, sometimes things do scare us. I'm a little scared right now, but I'm not going to let fear take over in my life. And that's what Saul was doing is it took over. And so he waited seven days. Remember, Samuel had told him to go and wait seven days, and then I will come and I will offer sacrifices, and I'll tell you what to do. Well, it says that he waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and Saul's men began to scatter. The guys started to leave, man. They were looking at what was going on. And so he said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering just as he had finished making the offering, Samuel arrived and Saul went out to greet him. It's on day seven, before the end of the day, Saul takes this into his own hands and he starts to make the sacrifices and then Samuel shows up. It's almost as if Samuel were waiting to see if he would wait the entire time. What have you done, asked Samuel. 
Saul replied, when I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer their burnt offering. If you're, right, if you're taking notes in your Bible, underline that. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. And then underline this, you acted foolishly right there. You acted foolishly, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. What is the Lord looking for? A man after his own heart. That's what the Lord is looking for. The Lord is not looking for perfection. The Lord is not looking for us to be these people that are loaded with potential. The Lord is looking for a man after his own heart. And he appointed him leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Then Samuel left Gilgal and went up to Gibeah and Benjamin. And Saul counted the men who were with him and they numbered about 600. And things started to roll away for him. And so we look at that and go, man, cool story. Cool story, Jimmy. But what, like you said, you were here to help me. How does this help me? Well, let me give you some takeaways. When the kingdom is trying to break out in your life, you will always want to run and hide. Every time. When the kingdom is trying to break out in your life, you're, you'll want to run and hide. Like right now, if the spirit of the Lord is speaking to you, as I often pray that he will give you ears to hear and eyes to see, so that as I'm preaching, that you would see and hear what he wants you to see and hear. And that if he is inviting you to be a part of his kingdom, and maybe you are on the verge of becoming a child of God through a relationship by surrendering your life to him and become a, becoming a born again Christian, then the temptation for you right now is to run and hide. I don't, maybe something's happening, maybe it's not. If I can just hold on until the end of this service, I'll get out of here and everything will be okay. And so the temptation is always to run and hide. They hid in pits, they hid in thickets, they hid in cisterns. Some left the promised land. Um, Saul and his troops were there, but they were quaking in fear. And we keep seeing Saul this way. This is the way he was whenever David showed up and Goliath was challenging them. And so here's what I want you to know is, when the kingdom is trying to break out in your life, don't run. I'm not going to run. Like I've seen people run, man. I've seen them. If I've seen anything more, like I've seen so many people where the kingdom, man, is trying to break out and it is so close to breaking out in their lives. And they're like, I'm done. I think I'm going to go to another church. I'm done. I don't think this is for me anymore. And it's the kingdom that you're running from. Like the kingdom is trying to bring, I've seen this throughout my, my entire ministry. I've seen it in this church. I've seen it recently in this church. Is that when the kingdom starts trying to break out of somebody's life, it is always our temptation to run and hide. And here's the problem, is that this guy and all of the, that were with him, they saw with physical eyes instead of spiritual eyes. And their behavior was determined by what they could see instead of what God said. And that's, that's the problem, is that when we run and hide, we're always thinking about what we can see with our physical eyes instead of what God said. 
And anytime we do that, man, we are really messing up the kingdom and we cannot have that movement that I've talked about. It cannot break out in our lives and we cannot experience the completeness that the Lord wants us to experience. Remember, even last week when the treaty was trying to be made with Saul and we saw the enemy um, tried to make the treaty, but he said, yeah, I'll gouge out your right eye. If you let me gouge out your right eye, I'll make a treaty with you. The enemy is always trying to take away our kingdom vision. He's always trying to get you to look at other things. He's always trying to get you to see with physical eyes at everything around you instead of using your spiritual eyes and going, what is the Lord trying to do? My heart is an open space where you can come and have your way. I'm open. I'm open. Are you? Like, because if you are, you won't run. You'll feel like running. It could get nerve-wracking. But listen to this. In Romans chapter 8, verse 31, Paul says, if God is for us, who can be against us? That's the spiritual side. It's like we don't run. We look and we go, okay, if God is for me, who can be against me? I can walk through anything. Shall, shall, and he goes on to say, shall anything separate us from the love of God? Shall angels or demons or, 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 or you know, um, trials or in tribulation? Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And so Satan um, will constantly try to attack our minds and get us to look with our physical eyes and scare us. But the Lord is always speaking to us and he's trying to show us that he's taking us on a journey. So stand in faith and you'll be able to say, it is the Lord. That's the beauty of standing in faith. When things are frightening you, you muster up the courage. Be courageous, as he told Joshua. You stand in faith. You hold on. You don't ride, run. You don't climb into a pit. You don't get into a cistern. It's <laughs> a good way to live, right? Like in a pit, and that's what happens a lot of times is the enemy scares us. The Lord is trying to move and we get frightened. And when we get frightened, we run and we start spending our lives in a pit instead of in the freedom that the Lord has laid out for us. And so when we don't do that and we stand and we go, man, no, if God is for me, who can be against me? And we stand in faith. Then what happens is eventually the Lord shows up. Remember, Samuel was on his way. It was the seventh day. Saul was just a few hours from the kingdom being established in his life. And he couldn't, like, he couldn't hold on and wait for the prophet. Who's the prophet for us? The Holy Spirit. And the prophet of the Holy Spirit shows up in our lives, and he begins to guide us and lead us. What was Samuel going to do? He was going to make the sacrifice and tell him what to do next. And that is the role of the Holy Spirit, is to teach us in all things. And so when we hold on, and we, even when we have uncertainty, even when we don't have all the answers, we're trusting the Lord, we're holding on, eventually he shows up, and when he shows up, we go, it is the Lord. And when we are able to proclaim it as the Lord, then the joy of the Lord is running through us, and that is the ability to continue strengthening in all the things that the Lord has for us. And so stand firm. Don't miss the special thing the Lord is trying to do in your life. Don't run. Don't hide. Hold on and let the Lord do his thing so you can experience the movement of the kingdom. When the kingdom is trying to break out, you'll want to take control. Every time the kingdom starts to try to break out in your life, the second temptation is to try to take control. Saul was told by the prophet, the, which is the word, the word came through the prophet. It doesn't come to us, to them. It wasn't coming to them through the word because it was being written at that time. And so the word comes to us through this is the word comes to us through the power of the Holy Spirit, teaching us the word, the prophet comes to him and shares with him, wait seven days and then I will come and sacrifice and tell you what to do next. He waits day one, he waits day two, he waits day three. Day four, he's like, 
is this really where I'm supposed to be? Day five, he's like, nah, nothing's happening. Day six, he's like, ah, what should I do? And people start leaving. <laughs> the guys are scattering. They're going to run and hide. He's standing there. He's quaking with fear. So the people around him are quaking with fear instead of standing firm in faith. And as he's quaking with fear and people start to scatter, eventually he breaks. He waits up to the seventh day, but not to the end of the day, only midday, midday. As he sees the men start to scatter, he took matters into his own hands and the decision was short-circuited. Um, it short-circuited the will of God. Okay? Um, this happens a lot, is that people and even ministries will short-circuit the will of God as opposed to trust Him. And, they, and as they short-circuit the will of God, then the kingdom can never break out in an amazing way where we're scratching our heads and going, it is the Lord. Now we can build things and we can create things, but we will always be able to put our name on things and we will see that that's what Saul does. He ends up building a, 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 like a, a, a statue of himself. He's building something to put his name on. And so in the instance of the kingdom beginning to break out, when we hold on, we see kingdom movement, but when we take things into our own hands, then we just short circuit the will of the Lord. And the Lord often uses delays to test our obedience. And so continue to hold on. It's hard to trust when things appear to be slipping away, but that's when faith is needed most. Okay, so first takeaway is when the kingdom is trying to break out, you'll want to run and hide. The second is when the kingdom is trying to break out, you're going to want to take control. You're going to want to just take control of this thing. Now, here's the dangerous thing. Watch what happens, the third thing. When the kingdom is trying to break out, you'll want to excuse sin. Like, boom. Like, here's the cycle, man. Samuel says, what have you done? Like, he comes out. Oh, there's Sam. Hey, Sam, how's it going? Sam doesn't have any time for small talk, and the word never will in your life. The word will hit you right between the eyes. What have you done? And what is his response? He made an excuse. The men were leaving. The Philistines were coming, and you didn't show. You know what he should have done? What have I done? He should have fallen on his face like David when Nathan the prophet came to him and said, you're the man he repented. But that's a man after God's own heart. But David or Samuel, Saul couldn't do that. What he started to do is like, well, the men were all running away and the Philistines were coming down and getting ready and you didn't show like you said you would. So I proceeded. He should have owned up and repented on the spot, but he was too proud to do so, and that's often what will keep the kingdom from breaking out in our lives. It's not sinning that ruins people. It's sinning and not repenting. And what does repent mean? Repent doesn't just mean I'm sorry. Repent means I'm sorry, and I turn away from my behavior. Here's the big idea. Religion is foolish. It is foolish. Watch this. As you read this story, it seems like Saul is doing a good thing, but he's doing it in the wrong way. And religion is like that. It seems good, but it can be done in the wrong way. Um, if there's no movement in our lives, we will risk replacing relationship for religion. 
So like when the movement, like when we're, when we get tired of the movement, then what happens? Like if we, if we're, if we're not patient enough for movement that comes from being in a relationship with Jesus, then what happens is we will begin to try to um, replace that dissatisfaction and discontentment with a religious experience. This is what we see all the time. It's like church becomes about the praise and worship and how much the preacher fires you up or helps you. That is an experience. Church is about the body of Christ helping each other become what we're supposed to be. That's what church is. Church isn't a place we go. It's something that we are. And if we miss that, we've missed everything. We've started to engage in religion, which is foolish and which is what Paul or Saul is trying to do. He thought, here's the crazy thing. He thought he could get the Lord's favor through disobedience. That doesn't happen. The Lord will never allow his favor to rest on your life when you're walking in disobedience. And people try it. And sometimes it'll look like things are going good, but eventually know that be sure your sins will find you out and you cannot get the Lord's favor in your life when you're walking in disobedience. It just cannot happen. But as you're walking in obedience, the favor of the Lord will begin to rest on you. And so instead of exercising obedience, he exercised religion and Saul, or Samuel said, what you have done is foolish. And so we look at this and we, we learn that religion will never get you where a relationship will. I, uh, here's the big problem with Saul in all of this. Is his identity was wrapped up in protecting his kingdom instead of worshiping the Lord. And it messed his whole life up. And so instead of walking in obedience to the Lord, his identity was wrapped up in how do I take care of the kingdom? What kingdom? My kingdom. Even though the Lord had called him, do you see how, do you see how dangerous it is? He, is, he is, has a calling of the Lord on his life, but he is walking in disobedience, even in the midst of the calling. And it is possible. It is possible for a minister of God to walk in disobedience and look like they, they are fulfilling their calling, but they're so far away from it because it's about experience and their kingdom as opposed to the kingdom of Christ. And so for us, Anytime our identity gets off of Jesus and we start making decisions based upon protecting our own kingdom and kingdom, the things that we like to do, church attendance has become religious. Like anytime we're off, like we're, we're just engaging in a religious experience. But if we are always like checking ourselves with the word of the Lord and we're listening to what God is saying to us and we're trusting him and we're walking in relationship and we're just, we're in this constant, Paul says, pray without ceasing. Uh, Jesus said, abide in me. If you do not abide in me in John chapter 15, he said, you cannot accomplish anything. What does abide in me? Remain in me. Mino, be there. Be with him. Daily be with him. When was the last time that you talked to Jesus about what you are doing on a daily basis? Like that's, that's, 
That's walking with the Lord. There's no way we can let the kingdom break out in our lives if we are not talking and abiding with him. But as we abide with him, then he starts impressing upon our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit and the things that we're reading that we think we don't even understand. But all of a sudden, just like I woke up in a dream the other night singing a song that I didn't like, it was speaking to me. And a few weeks later, it has ministered to me in amazing ways. It is the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit in my life moving because I'm abiding. So like when our, when our identity gets wrapped up in that, then the Lord starts moving and we start seeing the Lord all around us, man. And as we see the Lord all around us, then we start influencing people around us and people start experiencing movement. And that's why Jesus saves us is one, in order to glorify himself and two, is in order to give us the mission of making disciples so that others can come to know him. And if they can't see him in us, then we're working on our own kingdom, not his. And so like, don't, don't get caught up in that religion. Don't get, don't get there. Understand, man, the Lord wants to have a relationship with you. And as you walk through life on a daily basis, and he's speaking truth into your life, if you will just try to work on having eyes to see and ears to hear, the Lord will impress upon you his truth. He will begin to reveal to you things in areas of your life that he wants to prune away. And then he wants you to step into that, let him cut it off. And as he cuts it off, it might be a little painful in the moment, but then it'll begin to be productive and you'll see the kingdom produced in your life and it is the joy of the Lord that will sustain you in the midst of anything that you face on this side of eternity and it is what will make you at home when you get on that side. (laughs) If you can't experience joy, the joy of the Lord on this side of eternity, I don't think you'll make it into the other side. Why would you? You couldn't. It'd be impossible. The fruit of the Spirit is what's going to be the thing that establishes whether or not we know the Lord in the first place. And so the only way to produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives is to be walking in obedience. Joy comes as we obey. And so as we step into these moments and we trust the Lord, as frightening as they may be, He begins to move in our lives and produce the fruit. And all of a sudden we're walking in fellowship with Him and life becomes meaningful and things not so much. And that's the secret to life. And that's why Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I've come. Listen, church. This is what your Lord said. I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.